0: Dirk gently, Ghost Recon Wildlands, The Battle of Polytopia, and Seven Wonders duel. This is staying in. He
1: buys his
2: frosties by the ton. Oh, it's like that time <laughs> yeah, I bought that big pack of baked beans. <laughs> a bit, what big? What is one giant tin? I like got. You not remember the big just, tin of what? baked beans baked beans for Dad's back. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, I when I was arranging when I had the the honour of organising Daniel Frost yeah. stag Do, a very good stag mm-hmm. me and uh, my partner's dad went to Costco, mm-hmm. which is kind of like you know when you're walking down a shop and then you find a shop that sells all the stuff that's in a shop. What? Like in Manchester? Like in Manchester, there's a shop in the popular it's inside a quarter. Shop, yeah. Yeah, but it sells, like, coat hangers and till rolls and for sale oh, right, signs okay. and, like, mannequins. It's a bit like,
0: Ch- a bit like Charlie's in Aberystwyth. Do you remember that? Store Charlie's.
2: Yeah, so it's a shop, and inside it, it sells the stuff that you've always gone, where does where does shops get all the stuff that's in shops?
1: It's where you can kind of, like, buy bulk right, buy things. Okay. Yeah, exactly. so like, Costco my, my is where, to, like... My aunt used is... to own a pub, so I used to go to, like, Cash and Carrier where she'd buy, like the bought buy of like crisps and yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like where that. pubs
2: yeah. and places like that get all their massive box of crisps like a 48 pack box of walkers or whatever so we went in there to get stuff for um dan stag and one of the things that we that we wanted to do was on the saturday morning after we'd all had like the first night revelry was make a massive mm. fryer So we got like Mm. 300 slices of bacon and 10,000 sausages and 50 million eggs and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things we did get was Mm. beans. And to this day, my partner, Lisa, she was with us. And she turned the corner to find me and her dad shaking two kilogram tubs of beans to see how, to see how liquidy they sounded. Because he was just like, you've got to get all the beans for your money. And he was just like, if it sounds really liquidy, we're not getting those beans. So we just stood there in this, in this massive warehouse, like shaking these, pit, these tins That's of brilliant. beans. Um, but I think we generally actually got some success with the beans. They went down. They went well. down.
0: Yeah, they went down.
2: They went down, and for some people, they came back up again, <laughs> cool. which is uh, yeah, which is unfortunate.
0: Did I ever tell you about the time? I think I have done, <laughs> where I was, I left, I'd left my high school, and in the summer to earn some money, they took be me on. To, they took me on there um, to basically just before the end of turn wound, term turn wound up. I came back the following year for maternity cover to basically be there to hand out kids lunch tokens and stuff so they can go and get their lunch and things and I did like very menial tasks there but um and I did the job and stuff, made a few mistakes, but everything was okay. I was new. So <laughs> hang, like, on, hang, of, on, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, Chris.
2: Chris, 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 what? Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris. <laughs> what? First of all, who was the person that you replaced who had the menial job of just handing out lunch tokens? <laughs> no, I had no, to go no. on maternity leave. No, and had to go no, on maternity leave. Sorry, sorry this is too position. stressful. Too <laughs> no, stressful. no, basically
0: somebody else took on ma- the bulk of her jobs and they gave me like
2: the lesser all the jobs. Stuff. And so but I, I used to answer the phone and stuff uh, no, as no, well. No, 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 Chris, Chris, Chris. What? You're, you're glossing over the fact that you just said you made mistakes. Yeah, and when the you do. I want to know about all the children who went without lunch because Chris was <laughs> looking just at Just the dropping tokens. them on the
3: floor.
0: <laughs> I just forget a child and just give them all their tokens, <laughs> a week's worth on Friday. <laughs> Go mad, I said. No, mad. um,. So basically, um, I'd answer the phone and stuff, and I would, I would be there to kind of take orders in. So, what usually happened would be that I'd only ever answer the phone if no one was in the office, and um, I'd pick it up and I would tr- pretend to act like I try and make my voice a little bit deeper because it was still breaking, I think, at that point. Um, um, <laughs> drop it a few octaves, San What grown was up. the
2: name of the school?
0: It was Chantry High School in Worcestershire. What was it? Chantry High School? Chantry. In Shout yeah. out. Um, oh, the school that the school that, Kit, school. Har- the school that Kit Harrington went to, John Johnson, Game of Thrones. It was yeah, a year before. Oh um, my
2: God, Chris! Just yeah. can you put yourself in the position of you're a parent and you call this fucking high school because of your child, and then <laughs> so, then the person who answers the phone sounds like a child doing a <laughs> like, prank. It's <Just> like, hello, <laughs> welcome to the Chandelier High this School. This is this is the school. Um, <laughs> Look, it's really serious. Look, my kid's really ill. I need to take. No, oh, I don't worry. Don't worry. I'll I'll write that down in the
0: address book and the log book. I'll just let the headmaster know. Jesus. Um, and it was at that point that I realised that A level drama was for me. And but basically, during some holidays, yep. um, you know, I'd finished the work there. Everything had gone great. I think I got a good reference out of it. And I got a phone call during the summer. I've not looked back since. I got a phone call during the summer saying, "Chris, um, there's been a bit of a mix-up. Um, w- we had an order come in of some paper clips, um, and for some strange reason, we've got slightly more than we er- had originally budgeted right. for. And basically, um, I, I kind of pretend that I didn't know anything right. about it. But I think it was my fault. It was my fault. Where basically they were expecting they'd budgeted for to fill their stationary cabinet a thousand boxes of paper clips." to cover the entire school the entire school it's a huge thing but i miscarried the decimal point so what turned up were 10,000 boxes of paper no which
3: were no m- that I I, I I cannot which were I cannot countenance that that is a real thing. I cannot countenance that a school that first of all that you were in charge of ordering supplies or in charge of anything. I wasn't in charge. I was there second, to okay the, the,
1: the, it. Second, but, of first, all, first step, handing no. out tokens. Second, second step, second of no, all, no, the no, Wait a second. Yeah,
3: the token? Token, <laughs> The tokens no, are right Chris said, "I wasn't in charge. I was there to okay it. Like you're supervising somebody <laughs> at the fact some level. Like
2: yeah." and someone gave and someone gave the the authority to okay to a kid putting on a uh, a deep voice standing on a chair with a long trench coat on was like who don't want i'll take the order from you no but what yeah was basically what is school doing it's completely bonkers
0: no it's true it's true um um but basically yeah they i mean i mean they're probably still just about finishing <laughs> off that <laughs> <laughs> That's no,
2: Um, so, I got the second Dirk Gently novel, um, which is called The Long, Dark Tea Time of the Soul, mm. um, which, of course, is the second of three books that Douglas Adams wrote, starring the titular detective. Uh, even though the third one was incomplete, I think he passed away before he, before he the, finished it, and it was kind of pieced together from. Yeah, the third one became a hitchhiker's
3: um, novel. Um, yes, oh really? the, third, the third book that he did. Uh, was called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, I wanna say. Some Salmon of Oh Doubt. sorry, Salmon of Doubt. So yeah, a third oh, thanks Salmon for of all Doubt. The fish. Um and um Salmon of Doubt got something like halfway through being written, and then uh, it had some other notes and stuff as to where the story was going. And he did he wrote it because um, he realized that so he originally started as a Dirk Gently novel, and then he realised it didn't really fit with the themes of Dirk Gently and then he thought, oh, this will work well for a Hitchhiker's book because apparently the final Hitchhiker's book, complete Hitchhiker's book, ends on a bit of a downer, like the, 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 and he wanted to end it. He realised he wanted to end it in a, a slightly lighter tone, so he was like, oh, okay, well I'll convert that into a Hitchhiker's book, and and then you get the ultimate sadness, which is he got halfway through writing a book, uh, and then I think some people yeah. finished it up, and. Um,
2: uh Stephen Fry finished it oh,
3: really and um, and the uh uh and then somebody's uh, written a brand new one as well brand new hitchhikers that doesn't include that that comes from is nothing. that owen
2: uh that's owen colfer yeah i think so and another thing and another thing yeah yes so, uh, from what I'm reading, includes Salmon of Doubt includes short stories and eleven chapters of a Dirk Gently novel that Douglas Adams was working on at the time yeah. of his death. So yeah, so it's kind of like a. But anyway, um, because, and I've I've been falling down a bit of a Dirk Gently hole because Dan recommended me the uh, Dirk Gently series on Netflix, and yeah. Because I have
1: got the I've got the book now, but I my first introduction to Jer- Dirk Jelly was through the Netflix series. I had no idea, I'd never heard of it before that.
2: And ah. when Dan when Dan suggested it to me, and even Chris sort of mentioned it to me in passing, I was like, Meh, well, you know, whatever. But it was it wasn't until I was directed to the fact that it was actually adapted by and written by Max Landis that I actually Became a lot more interested in um, in the series and started watching it. For anyone who knows, Max Landis recently wrote the American Alien series of Superman, which is one of my favourite sort of short collections about about Superman. And so yeah, so then I started watching the series, and I bought the first book and just devoured it because it's the book's incredible. I think the series is a little bit nah, it's alright, it's okay. But yeah, but the second book carries on in the same vein. It's brilliant. Is, is the um,
3: so I've, I've watched the Netflix series. Um, is the Netflix yes. series the first book
2: or the? S- no. It's not? no, there's there 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 is a thematic resemblance to some things, right? But it all in all. It, from what it appears is that Max Landis has devoured both of the books and the source material and in a way just adapted the characters and the scenarios into a story he wants to right, tell. okay. Really, it's unlike the, um, the BBC series, um, which was on in the UK uh, about five or six years ago. That was a closer adaptation to the books. Uh, than this mm-hmm. is, and which is not to discredit the series. I think it does a lot of things, but I think where it actually deviates from the book is actually in terms of characterization Is actually when it's at its weakest, right. to me.
1: So I, I mean, as I say, I'd not heard, I didn't know Dirk Gently at all, um, and I just I remember hearing someone had mentioned it at work. So I thought I'd see it on Netflix. I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. It was going to be something I just kind of threw on uh, when I had a spare minute. And I watched the first couple of episodes and I was kind of like, I'm really, really enjoying this. This is really weird. This is quite mm. bizarre, quite funny. But the thing I kind of, I took from it, and I mentioned this to you, Sam, is that as weird and bizarre as it got, the way it was written, I was confident that it wasn't just being bizarre for the sake of being bizarre. I was confident that it was going somewhere, that everything meant something. And then I kind of mentioned it to my wife and said, you know what, you might you might like this. Um, I wasn't certain, but I was like, you, Give this a go, you might like it. So she started watching it, and like two episodes in she was hooked as well. So we watched through the whole series, and it was maybe it was because I came at it knowing nothing. Uh, so I hadn't I've got I've since got the book, so I'm reading the book afterwards. And so maybe it was because I didn't know anything about it that it was such a nice surprise that made me enjoy it so much. I know I think Chris I know I think you're a fan of the, sh- the show Pete you said you watched. what was your what was your thoughts on it because I know Sam is obviously a bit a bit meh um, I, I yeah I, I really overall. enjoyed it I thought it was really uh,
3: entertaining and very very funny and very well acted um, and I like the guy um he was he was the one who played
1: now was he Harry Potter the main guy no, no. That's Samuel Barnett. He was
0: in the History Boys. I get,
1: I, I'm beginning to think that you know that you're wrong when you say these things. You're just saying no. it to annoy him. He us. was, he was Samuel. same Samuel Barnett. Oh, so he was one of, but he was one no, of no. the elves in
3: Game
0: of the Game of Thrones. No,
1: Pete. Pete's thinking of Elijah Wood who played Frodo no, Baggins.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> I had to sit, I've had to sit through two episodes of this podcast of you and your pop culture knowledge. No. Um. Samuel Barnett. Yeah. He was—he's an English actor. He was in the History Boys on the stage f- and the film version. He was in a, in a brief BBC series called Strange at one point, and he's doing been—he's do- been doing some good work. Just, I think it's his first performance across the but pond. But guy- you've also really? got—you've also got, yeah. yeah that's the guy who plays got, Dirk Gently. Yeah, you've also got. Oh, you've got—you're talking about Elijah Wood, who plays Frodo Baggins in Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah, that—the guy who plays Dirk Gently.
0: No, no, no. The, no, guy, the guy, no, no, guy who plays Dirk Gently is who, Gently
1: is who Sam, who's just who Chris has just described the guy who elijah wood plays is what's todd. his name i can't remember todd. Todd. todd that's it so todd is played by elijah wood who isn't harry potter that's daniel Radcliffe. he plays uh, right. Frodo baggins in lord okay, of the him. rings and the i thought
3: he was really good and his but the uh, his sister he is good was really uh, amanda 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 was yeah. amazing I thought she was fantastic and yeah, like, yeah. I thought that storyline was really interesting and, and the, the crew that she hangs out with is like a really interesting
2: the idea Robbie as three. well.
1: See, see, for me, the, the one of the, the standouts for me was the uh, character of Bart played by Fiona Durif who plays like, the, Durif. The, the, the female assassin.
0: Yeah, she's Brad Durif's kind of, daughter. Every she's time incredible. she was
1: on screen, that, that storyline, I was just kind of completely taken in by she's her. Incredibly I thought she was magnetic. amazing.
0: Yeah. from the first time she
1: enters on screen I was, I was just sold I could, I could just she's such a that character has such a presence on screen that I, my eyes I were just drawn to her no matter what she was doing
2: but you see I mean, that was my big problem with the, with the season and like it's wonderful and it's light there's 8 episodes they're 40 minutes each you know you can really devour it and get inside this world but there was all these wonderful characters like the rowdy three and luxe du jour and and uh, bart and her companion existing in a in a mirror-like state to dirk and todd like it was so well written that they were literally leading like mirrored paths towards each other and then as they split even that was was mirrored again Mm. in their relationships even part of the parts of the script were were symmetrical like it was such a clever show but throughout the whole season all these characters were just dumped there and left there and there was and there was nothing that i felt anyway that really gave me gave me something to grab onto gave me something to 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 hold onto and and i compare it a bit to preacher which did very much the same thing and i think it's i think it's more of a symptom with Max Landis coming from writing comic books because it's a very comic booky thing to to have a story uh, and just like plonk loads of characters down and let the reader sort of digest and deal with it and a bit like the Black Monday murders Chris that's that's a world that you're kind of as a reader uh, you just have to ingest the world and make of it what you can but for TV I don't think it really works because for Preacher for example uh Seth Rogen's writing on that and the, and the direction of that screenplay it works exactly the same you've got all these different characters all these different parts of this fantasy world all working towards different goals that you don't necessarily know the outcomes on or the through lines of when you first start just like in Dirt Gently but the fact with Jesse the main character you've got something to grab onto him because essentially you've got a character there who's confronting his faith and confronting the fact that he's trying to leave his past behind by becoming a faithful and religious character and because you've got that as a central piece that you can grab onto and direct you through the piece everything else can sort of like orbit around that central story whereas in dirt gently you've got a character who doesn't know what he's doing just flits from a to b doesn't have any purpose just kind of goes with the flow another character who doesn't believe in the main character so never really feels like he has much of a position in it and for me like i stopped watching after the first three episodes and then went to go and read the book Like i didn't read the book before watching the tv mm-hmm. show and from and from then it was kind of what douglas adams does with dirk is that he is an actual detective like he knows what he's doing and he know like he still works the same methods as he as in he believes into in the interconnected stuff of things but he has direction he has uh uh he he knows the purpose of himself whereas dirk in the tv series is very much kind of like well well we go to flow we live we die blah 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 like it just doesn't that for me there was just nothing about his character that was like that made me believe in right. him um which is why i never became very invested in what was what was happening you might what's interesting is so
1: what's interesting i feel very differently in terms of how i reacted to it however i can't disagree with anything you've just said Mm. so all the stuff you say is a of it potentially being difficult to grab onto because he doesn't know what he's doing and that kind of the storyline all those beats i completely agree with all of that for me that just didn't bother me it didn't i i felt like i was on a roller coaster and my through line was just like buckle in and just go for a ride along this and just see where it takes me I was my I was holding on to that central uh, relationship between Todd and Dirk and I loved the fact and as I said because of the I was confident in the writing all I was confident that all the s- subplots were building to kind of meet in the middle so I was kind of waiting for those to all kind of become a cohesive unit and so maybe that's I was looking at it from that point of view and just going with the flow and going along for the ride, as opposed to okay, let me take a step-by-step guide, which is which I think sounds, I think, where you struggled with it, I think a little. Oh,
2: no, I didn't. It's not that I wanted a step-by-step guide. It's just that you, for it me, sounds like you
1: wanted more structure. St-
2: it's not. It's difficult because stru- it's it's not the fact that structure's the right thing. It's just that because I I think it was a really well. St- structured you know you know drama there was there was murder and they were sent to solve it but it was a fact that Daniel Radcliffe was in it (laughs) (laughs) it was a very disparate structure with tons of characters who were never explained and never introduced and I'm fine with all that I I enjoy that kind of writing and indeed that's how Dirk Gently the first book starts you have in the first um, four chapters of Dirt. Gently, you're introduced to four different characters, uh, four different scenarios, and no, and there's no explanation about how they interconnect and how they weave. But the way that the characters are written and they're presented, they're at least they at least give you something about their character to to grasp onto and to kind of believe in. And and I just f- for me, it's not the fact that I didn't miss structure or anything. I just didn't find anything about Dirk's character or Todd's character appealing from a narrative standpoint as an attractive proposition to enjoy the show. It was just one guy who was on a, a losing streak and a downhill bend meeting another guy who didn't know where he was going and for me, in terms of a, narr- an, a narrative standpoint that just didn't seem like a very attractive proposition to keep me, to keep me invested into the, into the drama Compare that with Preacher where you've got this guy who used to be a criminal and a murderer trying to do good whilst also being corrupted by the word of God, that to me is a thousand times more interesting than that. But that's just, I think that's just me because religion and stories around theology and uh, philosophy I kind of find a little bit more compelling anyway. So I, think, I, I, I don't think there's any detriment on, on the writing at all. And I think Dirt uh, Gently, the series, is great. I just think those characters didn't necessarily a- attract me to them from a narrative standpoint. I think it's completely, you know, I like chalk, you like cheese, Dan. It's, you know, it's just a I do chalk like and cheese. I, cheese. I
0: do like cheese, <laughs> um, I like a bit of cheddar. Sam, Sam, I think you would really like the BBC version of it with Stephen Mangan's jerk because that was episodic. So it was one case per episode, him and Macduff, which they... Americanized for the netflix series solving a case one per episode and it and it has that 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 kind of mix of not knowing where we're going but that's tempered with this idea of but we'll get there in the end i'll still solve this exactly
2: you i i did i did um pitch that to dan i said that it would work better if you actually believed in dirk that he knew what he was doing actually got results um and but for me, I never got that from the TV series, which I never, which is why I, I found it difficult to invest in because I didn't believe that he believed that he was actually a detective. Um, whereas that's something that comes across very clearly in the books that he uses whatever power he believes or doesn't believe he has to yes. actually help people.
1: Breadmaker, I've bread maker. I've got, bread, I haven't made any bread in ages, but the smell. Just the ease of using a bread maker and the smell of just having fresh bread cooked in the house is gorgeous
2: now I'm going to challenge you on the ease part of using a bread maker I admit it's easy as in you put stuff in a tin press a button and you make bread <laughs> yeah but by by golly this like the recipe book that comes with a bread maker is just the most it's, it's the harshest critic what do you mean? Of any recipe book I've ever Like the amount of times it says In massive bold text Like you must keep to the recipes Do not add a dash of this Or pinch of that It's like (laughs) fucking hell Like I didn't mean to Alright I just thought a little bit of salt would be nice You will not improvise It's just like you will not improvise You will not think that you are doing a better job Than the Morphe Richards chefs So And then, but then the problem is, right? The problem is, is I made, the first thing I made was a a whole wheat seeded loaf, okay? And the reason why I wanted to make this is that part of the bread maker's functionality is it's got a little tray on the top with a trap door. And then in that tray, you load the seeds. Then at a certain point in the baking process, it releases the seeds into the... Into the into the dough, and it's brilliant because I I set it going. I made the first loaf on my birthday, and I was sitting down. I was just watching TV or something, and the bread maker just started going like beep beep beep, and I was like, "Fucking hell, it's broken, isn't it?" So I walked over (laughs) to see to see what was happening, but no, it was not broken. This was a warning sound to let me know that the seed pod was going to engage. Oh. So, <laughs> so it was almost like this health and safety mechanism: of a beep, stand away, seeds deploying, seeds deploying. <laughs> and then you just saw this trapdoor like go, and these seeds all landing in the dough. So that was really exciting. Um, so I can't wait to see that again. But part part of the problem is like these recipes that come with it are so. Prescriptive that <laughs> so can't as- what you want from a recipe. When it when it asks you to add three quarters of a teaspoon of yeast, it becomes very difficult to stick to yeah. a recipe that's using that's using measurements that mm. are sort of unquantifiable. Yeah. So my first loaf ended up perfect, except for a giant dip in the middle of it <laughs> where I'd added too much yeast because I don't literally know how much is an accurate measurement of three quarters of a teaspoon. Mm. So um, back to the drawing board. We'll we'll try again. Well, I, I look forward to um,
1: more bread-related adventures.
2: Well, yeah. When, we'll...
1: when, when I when I first started like, doing it, it is a bit hit and miss yeah, to begin yeah. with. But once you kind of get the grips of that, I remember I bought like I bought like a book of just loads and loads of bread recipes, just kind of completely separately from the machine, and just started randomly throwing different things in there. and It was great fun. My favourite's <laughs> a, a cheese and uh, jalapeno
2: uh-huh. bread. She's delicious. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I can't wait. And, and it's good because you can make jam in it. You can uh, make uh, dough. So, I'm going to make some croissant dough um, and pizza dough and all this kind of stuff. So, that's for Play dough. Play dough. I make think the one you've got on.
1: sounds very familiar to mine. Familiar, very similar to mine.
2: It probably is. Yeah, we, so that's what I'm
1: saying. So, I, I think I know the kind of thing that you're, you're, you're looking at.
2: We live very like minded lives. Indeed. Um, I also got the same birthday card both from my partner and her mum and dad which is you know 2 for 1 2 for 1 it's always a bargain and I also received a copy of Mysterium Ooh. which for as long as I've wanted to play that game it's been out of print and just as my birthday arrived there must, there must have been new printing by the company and so I finally got a copy um, so awesome. I'm very very can I, can excited can ask- by that game Go for it. Can
1: I ask something, Sam? Yes. Did you receive birthday, like happy birthday wishes
2: from Pete? Uh you... I have to check my phone. Because because me I didn't. It. What? Bear with me. <laughs> my birthday was two I weeks, weeks
1: you... ago. So wishes,
2: Dan. Oh,
1: you didn't. Oh, no. Uh, it, it, I'm not, it doesn't bother me. I find it no, quite no, funny. No, sure I did. <laughs> Yeah,
2: um, happy, you asked happy me, birthday, we, mate. Because we Bread recorded the day board... after,
1: and you asked me about my birthday, but on the day...
2: Yeah. At, I'm not, I, I'm ha- not upset. Ha- hang on a second, Dan. It's at interesting to know who's the better friend. At 20 to 9 yesterday, which was my birthday. At night? Yeah, at, at night. Morning. Happy birthday, so mate. He... Bread plus board games is good. To which I replied wittily... Pretty much my two favourite things, starch and cardboard.
3: Nice. nice. That was some good cool. bands that we had there.
2: Um, Massive bands. So, yeah, so I spent most of my birthday doing one of my favourite things, which is also the thing that annoys Chris the most, which was organising the Mysterium <laughs> pieces into little plastic bags and reading <laughs> It does the rules. annoy me.
0: It's just, it's, it's just like playing a game with a CSI.
2: But I don't want to lose those clairvoyance tokens and the little um, ravens that go on the top. Sam, so um,
1: maybe you'd be happy with me... Uh, when I when I've got pandemic I bought little petri dishes to store the Ah, that's
2: so good. That's one that good. thing Chris I think, and I yeah, never I feel done. like
1: you'd appreciate that.
2: That's, that is one thing that, that I always wanted to do. But the one reason why I didn't do it is because the only place I could find to buy petri dishes was Amazon. And it was like £10 pounds for 50. And I'm like, yes. you only need four. It's <laughs> Costco all over again. <laughs> you, and Lou, you and Lisa's dad just shaking the Petri dishes. <laughs> Which one's the more glassy? <laughs> um... Uh, so yeah so all the only problem I've got now about my birthday is that's great um, I, I'm going to go to uh, Liverpool to buy some new running shoes at some point in the future but also got a little I've got a little bit of bunts in my back pocket, got a little bit of bunts there burning a hole but I can't spend it until we've all spent birthdays together because I don't know what you guys have got me so if if anything, to be honest, well, you, you've so, got the birthday wishes uh, Exactly, exactly, Dan. So I can't go around spending my money on stuff. And then you're like, "Well, we already, you know, what?" That'd be It's, like, uh, it's actually it's, yeah. it's
3: like that around um, it's like that around Christmas time, isn't it? You're always like in in the run up yeah. to December. You're like there's like this period of time in midway through November where you start thinking people might have started buying gifts. Don't. Yeah, I hate it's, it. It's like oh, I, I know that there's this graphic novel that I really want to read, but I've also talked about it loads. Maybe somebody's bought it for me.
2: Yeah. Like, just before just before my birthday, I got an email, and this is how bad I get. I got an email from a, a company saying that Mysterium are coming back in stock. I was like, shit! This is my one <laughs> chance and I can't do yeah. anything! <laughs> um, so, um, so, I've been very lucky. Very, very lucky. And, um... Yeah, so I can't wait to um, bust out that game. Um, awesome!
3: Did you guys get to play that Ghost Recon Beta?
2: Ghost, is that the Wildlands one?
3: Uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. No. Any um, good?
2: I yeah I um,
3: uh, Andy Kelly on Twitter. Said uh, summed up really nicely, uh, where he said it. It's like Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain, but without the charm. Or <laughs> like, Phantom like Pain got the charm? charm. Bloody hell! Jesus <laughs> Christ! I mean, like the like, world's most
2: charmless game.
3: <laughs> like it. Like you know how in Phantom Pain, like the thing I liked about Phantom Pain, and the thing that makes me very excited for whatever the hell that zombie game is that they're that they're, they're making. Um, the thing that makes me excited about that is the idea of us four rolling deep together uh, using those really cool open world mechanics and solving combat puzzles, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is what Phantom Pain does quite well um, solving combat puzzles together in a really interesting space um, and like Ghost uh, and Wildlands so the idea is that it's built around they say oh you can play it in single player or you can play it in multiplayer, it's clearly built to be like multiplayer, 4 player thing and like, it's the shooting feels a bit naff. The stealth feels because it's because it well it, it it's open world stealth problems, which is you can't have you know constant patrol routes and uh, very you can't have emergent play from that kind of stealth. When you have really big open spaces, you either sit there like in phantom pain and figure out all the routes for absolutely everybody and that's that's the only way you're ever going to make progress um or you go in and you kill the first couple of guys then somebody sees you and then you're like okay never mind and you you, you open mm. up on everyone and it never felt like i was playing the beta of wildlands it just never felt like a threat like i maybe i didn't play enough of it but i was i was you know chewing through it and like the 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 firefights just felt really like oh no I've been spotted oh well bang 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 and then like you let the rest of your team just deal with them and like it's like a really easy firefight to get into the writing and the voice acting is real bad like
2: so is it? this is a Ubisoft game isn't it
3: this is a Ubisoft title set in the Ghost Recon universe so it's like you know Advanced Warfighter is it Advanced Warfare or Advanced Warfighter the one that was before vegas we played ghost it on Recon, the ghost Re- we uh, played it on the 360 Advanced Warfare, i think yeah cool. something along those lines um, we played it on the 360 and we kept getting that desync issue anyway so like the it's set in that universe and it feels like modern military shooter but all of the so all of the dialogue is uh, there like there's there's you know three bros uh, and a lady who's doing all the oper- operation Directing, and she's like going. So you're here. You're meant. To, you're undercover. Have you done this kind of work before? And then like the main character that you're playing as looks at her with like a really knowing look and says, "No, that I've never been in this space before." And she was like, "I've heard you were in Kabul or something like that. Like I heard you did the Kabul job." And he said, "I was never there." And you're like, "Ah." Oh. Happy International like, Women's Day, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and he's like, he's like. He's like, I was never there. And and you sort of think to yourself, like, well, if you're genuine, if genuinely the reason you're saying I was never there, because it's an absolute top secret, could never be there, wet works, under the radar kind of military operation, you wouldn't look at her and say, like, wink and a nod, like, I was never
2: there. Um, but is, is think- this, is, nothing. Is this, and, is this yeah. part of Ubisoft's new direction where they said mm. that they were um basically making their games less narration heavy and having less narrative in story. No, and story and I just, quote it's just
3: less quality.
1: Like Yeah the, but,
2: but but is that but is that just a symptom of this new direction? Because they and they quote, and this is the worst thing I've ever heard any games designer say, which includes you Pete Thanks. That Not Ubisoft a designer, but thanks. Ubisoft Yeah no, but you might as well be. Ubisoft want each game to be an anecdote factory. Oh.
3: <laughs> anecdote factory.
2: So it's like with Watch Dogs 2 you can just, you know, be in it like a tourist. And to be fair enough, like if you look at the Ubisoft games that I think we probably had the most fun with, it's been the anecdotes that we create within yep. that world. Vegas, Vegas so, had lots of anecdotes and stuff. Right when we played like Rainbow Six um, and I can really only think of Rainbow Six um, so do you think that it's just like this is the first big product of that where it's just like stripping all narrative away and you kind of just got three sort of mannequin puppets walking like, around a bland world
3: No, it's, it, I don't even think it's, well first of all I don't think it's the first one because uh, maybe it's the first of a deliberate we are going to do honor, this now. Uh,
2: apparently, For Honor is just as narrative, sort of thin. But,
3: but, it, but it's. But the problem is, like, it's not narrative thin. It's there is stuff in there. It's just naff, and like the the, it's all very like Americans going in and sorting out the day because the the locals couldn't do it themselves. Um, very sort of, you know, Western civilization heavy uh you know we're the peacemakers we'll go and sort this out sort of thing but the voice acting itself is just it's just bad it's like it's just one person yeah it's it's, it's yeah it's just one <laughs> hello everyone um it's a parrot a <laughs> bit like me and that's some holiday job yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um but it, yeah it's it, it's just it's just not particularly good or convincing and and the sh- but the th- that would be fine if it was like a fun game but like so that so there's there's this stealthy stuff with some with some combat and some shooting, and none of it feels particularly exciting or powerful. Um, you've got these like spy equip this spy equipment stuff where you can send a drone into the air and spy on your opponents and that kind of thing, and it kind of works like Rainbow Six Siege in that your opponents can see it and shoot it down, and then that 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 you know sets them off and stuff. Um, but and that's all fine. But then but then there's like then they're like cool. This is this is trying to be a kind of. Not quite Rainbow Six Vegas d- level of strategy, but but we want you to take this kind of s- combat seriously and, and really think about the encounter that you're going yeah. into. Uh, and then they're like, Oh, did you want to get into a vehicle? Cool, no problem. Drive it off the side of this mountain, and you will be you will have no problems whatsoever. Like, oh, you, you just wanted to get into a four by, four by four and drop off a ninety foot cliff. Yeah, you'll 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 come out of that no problem. Like. It's so, where's, so, where's,
2: so I'm, I'm confused
3: like yeah. what's i'm basing this by the way entirely on the beta like okay the so, new game is now out but uh, the beta and the beta seem pretty close to complete so
2: before before i preface this can i just say that actually ubisoft have been very very impressive in recent years especially mm. what they've done with rainbow six on improving on what they've done Post launch. Yeah. Post-launch. yeah Rainbow Six Siege is completely it's light and shade in terms of the game that we first started to play to the games it is now. I yeah. feel it's a lot more tighter and responsive. The maps are better designed yeah. and the enemies are more responsive to what you do. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they come outside. Yeah. yeah, so like I think that um early criticism of a game, and I think For is going through a bit of this at the moment, that people are kind of actually um, very trustworthy of ubisoft in that they are actually listening to community and servicing it. and apparently rainbow six now rainbow six siege now is a massive thriving like yeah. from initial like poor numbers it's a huge game for ubisoft now yeah. so where what i'm confused of is where this game now sits in that over like I, I just don't see what appeal this ha- is it just the fact that it's a bigger focus on cooperative around yeah. so- story driven elements is that yeah, literally the only that. function it's servicing
3: I think, I think it's that I think it's the idea of like getting your getting bros together and dressing up and playing army and running across a map like but in a fairly safe kind of fairly safe sort of an environment like it's not it doesn't it didn't feel that like siege level of two bullets and you're down kind of kind of scary gameplay um, this feels a lot more like, hey, do you want to get onto the back of a motorcycle and just drive through an area? Yeah. It feels like, do you guys ever play Mercenaries?
2: No. What was that? No,
3: back in the day. So P- on the PS2, there was a game called Mercenaries and everyone was like, in all of the magazines of the day, the front covers were always like, the GTA killer? And the and it was like, no. Um, I think I and- remember the box art. You'll remember the main character. Yeah, uh, who, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, who had like, a big spiky blonde mohawk and glasses on and um, there was going to be a ps3 version i think that ended up getting canned uh the mercenaries 2 was called world on world in flames or something like that um, and it feels a little bit like that it feels like open worldy and janky and uh, it, you know bits of jank here and there uh crossed with some of the ghost recon strategic combat which is the stuff that i quite like um and yeah, it just it feels like it feels like it's just sat in this weird middle ground where I'm sure it's I'm sure I'm sure it'll absolutely find its audience, but yeah, it, it it's one of those sort of I was really looking forward to it, really hoping that this would this was going to be like a game that you like all of us could really get get into and enjoy because it felt it felt like maybe this would be that kind of game because it's like a blend of GTA and Rainbow Six Vegas, but it's such a blend of those things that it it ends up being not particularly fun. Yeah,
2: because because the appeal of Ghost Recon to me was always the fact that it was very much like Rainbow Six but you it was almost like a 3D like a three analysis of the Rainbow Six puzzle yeah. so whereas in Rainbow Six it feels very 2D you're kind of uh, almost like a wall of enemy a wall of like the resistance just pushing just like slowly sort of walking through a map and clearing out everything in your way yeah. Ghost Recon feels very much like You've got to take your time. You've got to think about entrance and e- exit strategies, which is completely counterintuitive to kind of how Ubisoft expects you to play Rainbow Six Siege, which is very much like flash and attack yeah. and being quick and um, uh, working with speed. So yeah. it's, it sounds a bit of a shame that that's becoming that focus anyway. It's become a bit lost.
3: Yeah. I'll tell you what though do you want to hear about a really fun game that I did play always alright yeah fine has this one got charm this one has got a ton of charm mate
2: has it got guns
3: uh, it hasn't got guns so shall I just skip has over it, it? Got,
2: um, has it got has it got what was it called anecdote fa- is it an anecdote factory
1: um, it's got it's got a, a, an anecdote corner shop I would say <laughs> is it an isometric puzzle adventure game <laughs> uh, it's not, unfortunately. I do love those. Oh, uh, well I, know, I do dog. like
3: those. Uh, we're we're
2: all very. It's not one of those either, Chris. Is <laughs> it?
1: Is it? Is it a mobile game? It is a mobile game,
3: Dan. Of course
2: it is. Um, what, what is it, on, is you... it a
1: free mobile game? Oh my God! This is like Guess Who, but less sexist.
3: Well,
2: because
1: I'm just wondering because this would mean
3: <laughs> a lot in three of our
2: last down. four
1: shows you have brought to the table a free game, which is basically your subtle way of turning it into one of our old shows, free play. Oh right, yeah.
3: No. Um, oh yeah. I suppose uh, you know. Um, by the way, like, um, so obviously we talked about Disc Jam uh, on the last one. That's not free. That's on PS Plus, and it's like eight
1: quid if you buy it. If you don't have PS Plus, but we played it. We played the beta. Yeah, we, did. we played the cheapy cheapy version. I, I um,
3: have.
2: I have downloaded that actually. I'm going to play it tomorrow.
1: Oh, yeah. look forward to
3: that. Um, so no. So the game <laughs> I've been playing is a game called The Battle of Polytopia. Um, and it oh. is available for your iOS device and your Android device. Uh, not available on Windows Phone or
0: Windows tablet Sorry about that, Chris. Um, it's all right. I know that you're. He looks um,
3: devastated. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm happy with my elite group of six games I can choose for from that was on that <laughs> tablet. Yeah.
2: Did you ever, Chris? Did you ever get Lara Croft Go to work on that thing?
0: Nope. Got it on no. my phone instead. Very Good. peeved. Holos. Have you got an Android phone? Yes. Oh, perfect!
3: Will you be able to play it? And you should play it. Um, so, we talked a little while ago about Civilization VI,
2: and yep. you talked a little while ago yeah, about yeah, Civilization VI. Yeah, yeah. Can so we get that right? And I me had to and, uh, make some very yeah, extensive me, editing.
3: That was when George Osborne was on, wasn't it? Um, so, basically, that game, uh, Civilization VI, was amazing. And I was thinking to myself, I would really like to play some Civilization. Uh, right now, but I don't want to fire up my PC and get into it in a super intense hardcore kind of a way, I don't want to put it on my laptop because I'll do nothing else, um, but I do want to play it, so I'll, I'll, I'll play it on the mobile phone so I downloaded Civilization Revolution 2 uh, which is a very very good game and I've played it before and it was it was lovely and I, I tweeted about it, uh, that I was that, I was, that I was playing it and I, I was playing it I was like "Ah, this is good but it's not quite what I want um, and somebody uh, got back to me and said, and this is the third time people have said this to me they said go and play the Battle of Polytopia because that that'll be what you want. And I've tried to play the Battle of Polytopia about two or three different times, downloaded it, started playing it, not really got it and just like churned off of it and gone, Ah, I don't really get
2: this at all. Is that, that is like when I tried activity. reading that book by J.J. Abrams and Doug Dorst?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 exactly like that kind of that kind of I know, like I've been told this is great and I should give it a go. And it seems like up my street, but I won't. It's about because... capturing
2: the right mood and...
3: Yeah. It's it's like what you had with Fallout and The Witcher for a little while and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so so I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a jolly good go now. Um, the Battle of Polytopia is to Civilization Six as Super Mario Run is to Super Mario Brothers. So it takes everything about the main PC or console experience of civilization it takes the and and it just strips it down to the absolute very very bare essentials so it says right you've got you've got cities and you've got warriors and you've got the ability to harness resources and you've got the ability to expand and the ability to fight um you've got these basic things that you that you need to do and 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 we're going to present all of those combat options to you in a really straightforward way. Um, so, so it's sort of like an ultra stripped down version of Civilization VI, and because of that, it
1: just works so beautifully for mobile. Um, it is. Can I can I can I, can I just ask uh, from your from your kind of description there, mm. it the description reminds me of kind of. Anytime time you watch a video or on YouTube or something like that and you get the advert that pops up and it's about a mobile war game that's free you right. don't know oh, like, and basically you, yeah. there's like a thousand of them which is I don't know King of War or Game of War mongering, yeah. or and the icon the icon
3: is like a shouting man yeah Ex-
1: exactly or a woman in a bikini yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, so yes. how is it how is it different to what those games okay,
3: are offering? so so it's a totally different game so those are um, those are what are generally sort of vaguely called strategy management games. Um, uh, so yeah, Game of War is the really really big one, um, uh, and Evony is the is the one that you're thinking about with the w- woman with all the boobs everywhere. Um, no, that's just any general game.
0: General <laughs> you do realise yeah. that these adverts are selected for you based on your search history? Yeah, absolutely. Stra-
3: strategy and management. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, <laughs> so, so it's so those games. The, what you are doing is you are clicking on a thing and you're saying upgrade and then you're waiting for two minutes and then five minutes and then 50 days down the line you're actually waiting for 100 hours or whatever it is and you can pay gems to, to speed things up um, no this is a proper game game uh, as in it is a it, it's civilization um, but stripped down it, it it's it's there the in, there are in-app purchases but there's no advertising there's no uh, timers. There's no. There's no paywalls. There's no nothing like that. It's just a straight up fantastic free game. And by the way, here's some additional content if you want it. Um, and so, so it follows that loop of civilization. Of here's your here's your city. Your city generates you, essentially points with which to spend on new warriors or new um, new uh, technologies that you can research. Um, Or spend on harvesting the resources in the area that you have so you've got like gold in the mountains And then um, you can build a farm or you can do all these sorts of things and bring these points in and the more things that you Harvest the more your population grows in your city and then your city levels up Once your city levels up you can then choose to specialize those cities in certain ways So whereas civilization says okay, what do you want to put into your city? Do you want to put in a monument or do you want to put in uh, an aqueduct, or do you want to put in, you know, a library or a sports
0: centre or whatever? It this one says <laughs> sports centre. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah sports no. centre and civilization. Wow. Yeah, like
3: civilization is
0: like civilization. Well, The way you're painting a picture of it was like it was like um, ancient Rome.
3: It, well, Aqueducts. it, it civili- civilization literally. With the fitness
0: first. Civilization
3: <laughs> covers <laughs> with
0: a, a treadmill in the corner. Yeah.
3: Civilization covers six thousand years of history, so it's wow. like an aqueduct, uh, you know, a monument. The Apollo space program. Um, so uh, <laughs> a cafe rouge. Cafe rouge. Why not? If you want. Woolworths. We'll bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, whereas Polytopia, um, Polytopia, the classic mode is thirty turns, and you never really get. Well, you never get out of. Um, uh, the the best technology you can get is riding on a horse and having like a spear. Like it's it's it's, it's not huge uh, in, in that way. Um, but so so once you've been leveling up your towns and 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 uh, being bringing all these resources the game then says okay do you want to expand your borders or do you want to uh, increase your population which basically just means you can hire more units and you go I want to do this and that's your choice that's all you get there isn't any of this small little micromanagement of civilization or anything like that that doesn't particularly work fly on mobile it's just okay a or B which one which one of these things do you want you then send out your your uh, warriors off into the world and you start exploring the map and uncovering everything that's in there. You start to meet new tribes. There is no diplomacy beyond, I'm just not gonna attack you and hopefully you won't be attacking me because you can see I'm not attacking you. There's no diplomacy other than just, we're not fighting at the moment. Um, And there's kind of like a cool down. So if you just stop fighting them, then they'll stop fighting you. but again, it's it has got that level of interactivity with other civilizations that civilization has. Um, each when you when you when you say thirty turns, what do you mean by thirty turns? So you so you do all of your actions. So each unit can be moved or, or do uh, or or attack uh, or sometimes both. Uh, you. Harvest all of the things that you want to do. You do all the resource um, gathering that you want. You unlock the research and technology that you want. And then you're like, okay, I've spent all of my actions, like Civilization. Uh, and then you hit go. And then it just goes, cool. And it and it then plays the turns of everybody else. Um, so it's it's turn-based gameplay. Um, and, yeah, and so you can also, each of the, the, the tribes, essentially, the, the Civilizations that you play as, each of them has a... Specialism. So each will start with uh, a specific tech that they will be useful at. So some of them can can cross mountain ranges, and that that means that you know they'll be they'll be faster if they get into a mountainous terrain earlier on because they're not blocked. Some of them will initially have organization, which means that they can farm straight away, and that's super useful as well. And so you start to figure out, oh, okay, so each of these civilizations has their own traits that you that makes you want to play them in a certain way. Again, like Civilization. It's not this huge you've got three different types of units and two different types of democracy that are available to you and all this sort of stuff. It's the, again, it's this really stripped back, pared down version of Civilization that is really fast and just gives you the essence of what one of these really big grand strategy games is actually like, but in a really bite-sized acceptable Entry level version of it. It's like, and again, to 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 have like another a boost duo. Yeah, it, like a boost duo. Um, <laughs> but like, but it's like um, all the experience
2: <laughs> of a king size boost and all the, the charm as an you... entry level.
3: Did you guys ever play
1: Dive Kick? No.
2: My no. God. I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean,
3: I Pick, love, listen
1: When was the last time you said to us, "Have you guys ever played X Game?" And we've actually <laughs> said, fact... "Yes, we have."
2: I love the fact that most of early game design, when they were thinking about um, names to call their titles, just like we'll just put two adjectives or verbs together: <laughs>
3: dive, kick, punch, dive, kick. slap. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Hot so job. wind jammers, wind jump, jam. Crawl. jam. Um, so um, actually, like, uh, so wind jam- uh, where well, pong actually is a really, really good uh, example. It's like pong is a really, really uh, stripped back version of tennis, Smile. right? Like it's a really stripped-back version of tennis that's that's what that game is and polytopia is a really stripped-back version of civilization and it works beautifully for it Um, uh, because because it lives on mobile Um, that's that's the only place you can get it and you and so I've been playing it and I you know you you get to the end of the 30 turns you think this isn't gonna be very long and I'll I'll just I'll just finish it and delete it and do whatever but you just find yourself going into the next game and the next game and the next game and the next game and Um, and it's just so compelling like thinking it makes you think about how to you how to get better how to improve at the game that is in front of you because yes it's it's fairly still fairly complex in terms of the 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 literal game mechanics of what's going on in the background but it's straightforward enough because it's just presenting you all the information straight out the gate and it doesn't bombard you with tons of information the other really cool thing so it looks lovely and the, the visuals are quite low poly and all that sort of stuff um, uh, I think uh, I, I really like it. It might put some people off, but I think I think, it, I think it looks really good. But the game's also in like constant development, so they just they added a, this pass and play version, so you can play multiplayer local with one device. But they're also adding in turn based multiplayer, and this this is what I am extremely excited about because I would I think that this is going to be that that to me is where this game is going to really kick off. Like it's. It's, it's, it, it's so well made for, for turn based multiplayer like uh, play by email kind of stuff where you take all of your turn pass it on to the next person they take all of their turn um, and I'm basically going to be when that comes out I'm going to
0: basically be harassing all three of you to well to get it. Peter so to be fair you've actually, uh, I'm, so, you've actually I'm, sold I'm, me on this game you really have um, I'm, I'm yeah, quite yeah, interested as well have sold me a bit yeah
1: and to be fair weirdly one of the things that has sold me and this is probably not what you're aiming for, Pete, Yeah. as one of the big things. One of the things that sold me is the fact that you're saying there's no adverts, that they're not trying to sell you stuff. Because yeah. I think one of the reasons I stopped playing mobile games is the fact that yeah. I got sick and tired of every five seconds you're being asked to buy things. Yeah. And it's just, and games aren't... A lot of games now seem to just be money make, a constant money-making exercise as opposed to you buy a game and you but, play it. It's A lot of them seem yeah. to be... Every every single chance they get, oh, do you want to spend more money on this? Do you want to buy this game instead? Blah, 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 blah. But that's that's because Polytopia's model is Polytopia's model
3: is let me just earn it. Like Polytopia's model is like, look how great this game is. We've got this other content that you can that you can get, but don't worry about that right now. Start playing, have fun. And you start playing. And that's fantastic. And it's great. And then you're like, cool. Now I want, I want more of this. I, I've I've done as well as I can with these with these these tribes, and I'm like, yeah, great. I understand how this game works. Now I want access to this other sets of content. Um, uh, yeah, it's. But it, again, yeah, as you said, it's not in your face. It's not anything like that. Um, and yeah, it feels like a premium game that you're getting for free. That's Sold. Awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Get it. Report back. It's great. Uh, Seven mm-hmm.
1: Wonders Duel.
0: I know. I have Seven Wonders, which we talked about before, um, which we now call, Sam and I, Seven Walnuts. I can't remember why. I
2: can't remember why we call (laughs) it Seven Walnuts.
0: It's one of those weird things. It was an anecdote factory in a box, Seven Walnuts. (laughs) But we've got Seven Wonders Duel. And I was a bit... Initially, I was kind of like, okay, well, other than it being two players, what's the difference? The difference is that this is incredibly streamlined. It's almost the Polytopia version in relation to Civ. It's actually in terms of that tedious point of counting up your scores the under Seven Wonders, which actually I use an app for generally now, is completely stripped away. But you don't lose the sense that there's something. There's lots of complicated things happening behind this game and multiple ways in which one can win that make it a really, really interesting two-player game. We've played it a few times now. Can you just um,
1: remind, me the, remind me of the original? Remind
0: me Seven Wonders. Dan, Dan, we've, okay. We've talked seven about wonders. so many
1: different games in the past. I know, I know, I know. I
0: know. Peter doesn't help, but basically... You've got, um, you pick a wonder, that could be the Pyramids of Giza, for example. And a bit like Settlers of Catan, you have to, you've got like materials, you've got resources that you can use, and, and you can use the resources like you use the gems in Splendor to buy more cards. And the more you have resources, the more cards you can buy of a particular type, and you work your way up levels. You know, like in Splendor, you can work your way up the different levels. Well, in Seven Wonders, those are ages, age one, two, and three. Um, and it's got that kind of Sushi Go quality of everyone has a hand of cards. You play a card. You pass the cards to your left or your right depending on the age. Oh, you yes. get a new set of cards. You play a card, and that's it. So everyone's playing constantly, um, and that's essentially it, really. You, you, so, you so there's what, many different ways in which one can get points. You tot it up a bit like Sushi Go. Um, so in a, two, yeah. in a
1: two player game, how does that work then? Because obviously the dynamic of something like as obviously yeah. I'm familiar with Sushi Go, so i the same as that. The dynamic of that is good because. You're, you're, there's a large group of people so you're trying to keep track of a lot of different people what they're collecting so how does that work with just a two player
0: well what it does and Pete can help me with this is you have like each age has its own set pattern of cards that you place so instead of having the cards in your hand you place them in front of you in a pattern some are face mm. up some are face down it's called a ziggurat you pick a card. it's called a what sorry song
2: a ziggurat
0: a ziggurat like a ziggurat, a, like, a ziggurat like a ziggurat the infinite staircase
2: no a, a ziggurat is, a, is a, a square pyramid
0: ah Okay, like that. Um, And some are face up, some are face down. I thought a square pyramid was a tetrahedron. I thought a square pyramid was a cube. I thought a
1: square pyramid was not a thing, because a pyramid's like a triangle, isn't it? Well, a square pyramid, (laughs) if you're talking about the square on the bottom, then that's a pyramid. And if you're talking about a square on the side, then that's a cube.
2: (laughs) Right, Okay. (laughs) Oh, ziggurat. A ziggurat is a name of a Mesopotamian structure that is a square pyramid. It's like different levels of of straight lines going up to a top. That's it. Yeah. What, which is what the which is how the cards are arranged in Seven Wonders Jewel. But it's a
0: bit like Yong, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So cards are arranged overlapping each other in a square pyramid. So you're only so unlike we're using the sushi go aesthetic in, seven, in uh, where you're passing a hand of cards you can only get hold of cards once they're released from the ziggurat once they're free um, from it that so for example they're not being overlapped by other cards or essentially trapped there so that's where you create that kind of tension because obviously you can see what's there, on the table in front of you and you can see what your partner's picking up uh your opponent shall i say so therefore you know do you go for other cards therefore releasing something that they might want or or do you go for cards taking something that they want that they would want that may harm your own strategy so i think that's where the tension and the and the and the combat comes from in seven wonders duel that you kind of have this open forum that you're both picking from and and the other thing like my big problem with seven wonders is it's a great game but then at the end of it you pretty much and i know you've got the fucking app but still at the end of it you've got to do a fucking gcse exam to work out who's bloody won, and and B+ you get and you get to the end of it and you just like did we have fun? Was that a good game? I think I had fun, mm. but I can't really remember because we've been adding up all the points for sixty million years.
0: I mean, bear in mind, Sam. The last time we played games together, you and I, we've been knackered, all of us. There's I know, this kind of know, drunk Chris, with fatigue.
2: I know, but I think even if I played Seven Wonders fresh, by the time that's a good version I- of the
0: game, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when yeah. I when I finish playing a game, if I love it, I want to play it again, yeah. or. It leaves me with some lasting memories, test or, or abiding thing. Like, for example, we played Ingenious the other day, and I don't really want to play Ingenious again, but when we finished it, it left me with something. It gave me an experience. It was like, oh, that's a really interesting mechanic here's you know uh here's ways that i would improve it here's what i would change but i actually really enjoy the experience and the dynamic it created this is the most important thing the dynamic it, it created within the group and the fun we had we have fun when we're playing seven wonders but by the end of it because you've spent so long out of the game trying to work out who's won the game everything you've built up within it all that energy or that cohesion just dissipates and it's just like oh i won all oh, right okay yeah, that's why and- <laughs> Seven Wonders Jewel is great
0: because it, it just strips that back honestly which I think seems to be the theme of this recording but anyway like this idea of yeah, there's multiple ways in which one can win you can win instantaneously in Seven Wonders you may not even get to the end of the, the ages because someone may have mm-hmm. already won their, for example their military marker may have marched their way across into the enemy and automatically they'll win or someone may have got six of, each, six of a kind in terms of the science buildings and they'll automatically won as well um, and also, the game automatically ends as soon as I think as soon as the seventh wonder is completed. Yeah. On the board, so I mean, you may not even get to the end of your three ages and have to actually t- tot up anything because it's already been um, dif- sorted for you. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it is. You can actually own both games because the two-player variants of seven wonders is a bit meh. Um, you have to have a third. You have to have a phantom third person, which you take it in turns to play for, which isn't really that fun.
2: So Arkham Horror the card game and Dan you can go and make a cup of tea or whatever at this point I'm so Arkham, Arkham Horror no, I the card game is a two player game where you start you start the game by picking a character and with that character you get cards and from those cards before you even start the game you get to build a deck out of them and 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 through building that deck, you get to create the character how you want it. So you can make quite an aggressive sort of cop character, or you can you can make quite a bookish, uh, smartish sort of um, uh, sort of clue finding investigative character. And then you take those decks that you built, and alongside your partner, you explore these scenarios. So I think the Arkham of the Card game comes with three scenarios which span one campaign. And so the idea is is that just like with Magic you're creating something and then exposing that thing that you've created into the world alongside a partner. And I think why you might prefer it to Magic is that it's cooperative. And you're kind yeah. of going into these adventures, into these random scenarios, this, this curated world, um, and this um, this campaign with someone. And the and the beauty of it is, and also the beauty of Magic is that once you've finished one scenario out the three, you gain experience, and using that experience, you can buy more cards. And I don't mean like buy with pounds, but you essentially more cards get released to you. To Beef up your character, or change something within them, or oh, that didn't quite work in this scenario, so I'm going to replace that card with this card and see how that affects my character. So eventually, your characters can get scarred and they can grow by the experiences that they go through. So then, when you play the next scenario or replay the first, it's completely different. Um, uh, it's a completely different sort of set of skills that you're bringing to it, and and. And, and that for me, when you're talking about two player games, is the wonderful thing that a mechanic like deck building brings to it. It's the fact that when you're playing Magic, I can go away and build a deck using mechanic that I'm interested in and come to you and suddenly we're playing a completely different game. It's not the same two player game. We're not playing the Duke again or Lost Cities. We're, playing, we're having a completely different experience. And I think Arkham Horror the Car Game, the reason why I'm so interested in that is that I think it captures that essence. Of of being able to create something, and then <laughs> exposing that thing into um, a game generator, basically, and seeing how it adapts, and seeing how it grows, and seeing if you can kind of keep hold of it and and manage it, and then if you lose control of it, you've got a chance to kind of tweak it. So by the end of it, like if I if if I get this game once my ban on book buying board games is lifted. <laughs> If I get this game, I'll be able to create a deck. <laughs> by the council. By the council. And say I get this game and Pete's got this game. I'll be able to take my character, mm-hmm. take it to Pete's, and then we can see how our characters um, interact with each other. And we can see how within this game engine of the board game, we can see how they, they react to it together. So I can almost have in my pocket this like this sort of bustling sort of world of energy and mystery. Oh, you already do, Sam. I know. Yeah, it's called my penis. Um, and the great thing is, it's a fantasy flight game, so they've already come out with like loads of other campaigns and different things that you can expose the character to. And, and I think this is the most important from my point of view, is that because you are drawing from a deck, it pretty much eliminates quarterbacking from the cooperative experience, yeah, which yeah, for yeah. me is a massive thing. It's one of the reasons why I don't actually like playing cooperative games, because yeah. I... I do it all the time. Um, it's a reason why I won't play Pandemic Vanilla anymore. Um, Another so, version of the game. Yes, along with uh, Seven Wonders Fresh. Um, so, yeah, so I think that in terms of a two-player game, Magic, yes, always, that's brilliant because you, you're you never playing the same game twice and you can mm-hmm. create a game to suit yeah. how you will play. But Arkham Horror the Car Game, I think that's a, that sort of would possibly float your boat.
0: That was Staying In with Dan Frost, Peter Willington, Sam Turner and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.